Matt Hicks, the FF Educator. It is college football week one in NFL week zero. This podcast is going to cover both the NFL and college football very closely. So throughout the season, we will be doing our introduction in that way because most podcasts are following college football. Most podcasts are following the NFL. But here at the Rookie Big Board, the whole point of this podcast is to blend these two worlds so we will always check in on the college football and the nfl week it is college football week one nfl week zero on this episode we're going to be talking about the ever so popular damian pierce we're going to dig into his projections and i'm going to give three possible realistic projections for damian pierce so we can hopefully better get an idea of his ridiculous value right now in rookie drafts, in the trade market. Then we're going to talk about five matchups to watch here in week one of college football for Devi-specific value. I recognize that not everybody has the time to sit here and watch 12 hours of college football. So if you are looking at this week one slate with a Devi eye, I am going to give you the rundown of the guys to watch. And I also recognize that on the Rookie Big Board Podcast Network, if you're listening to the network feed, we pushed back the CFF show this year. And so I'm going to take time occasionally to try to sneak in some early week CFF action because by the time we get to Friday's show, which is when we do the CFF show on the Rookie Big Board Network now, you won't be able to talk about waiver wire. So I'm going to sneak in three waiver wire standouts for college fantasy football. We won't do CFF every week, but I wanted to get to it early week when the waivers are a little bit more. More important. All right, let's go ahead and jump into some Damian Pierce discussion. Damian Pierce's fantasy football value has absolutely skyrocketed over the course of the three weeks of preseason action that we've seen. Some big runs, some highlights shared across Twitter, and then some just general paranoia has skyrocketed him into trades that I've seen where he's gone for a first-round selection, where he has gone as high as the 104 in a rookie draft. I mean, we have come so far from the value that I placed on Damian Pierce during the rookie draft season, which was an early third-round selection. He was 28th overall on the rookie big board, but he he sat in that flex filler range, which is anywhere here from... 18th overall, all the way down to 28th overall. He was right at the bottom of that flex filler discussion. Now, folks know my flex filler tier are guys who I think could slide into that running back three, running back four, wide receiver four slot, you know, depending on how deep your league is. So I never wrote Damian Pierce off as an unproductive player, but he is going way above that value that I originally placed on him. And right now I am looking really low compared to consensus on Damian Pierce. So what I always try to do if I find myself off of consensus 
is not necessarily jump right to, oh, I'm too low on this guy, or oh, I'm fading this guy too hard, I need to get closer to consensus. I am not worried about consensus. Folks know that. They look at my dynasty rankings, which are just updated, by the way, my Devi rankings, my rookie rankings. I'm not concerned with consensus. Because if I'm just sitting here aggregating consensus for you, am I actually providing any analysis? No, I'm willing to miss on guys, right? But I'm willing to go in and do the work and analyze. And so here's what I'm looking at here with Damian Pierce. I've created three projections for him to give it a range of outcomes that are possible for him and to put those range of outcomes into context for you. So let's start with scenario number one. And this is my current projection for Damian Pierce. So this is unadjusted for any preseason hype, okay? So going into the preseason here, this was actually adjusted post week one of the preseason. So for the most part, with before he really started exploding that hype. All right, 189 carries, which was already leading the team, but with Marlon Mack with 168 right behind him. All right, 189 carries, 756 rushing yards, four rushing touch, sorry, five rushing touchdowns, 20 receptions and a receiving touchdown. All right, that was 45% of the market share for Houston. Houston, I have projected for 420 rushing carries and 6% of the receiving market share. Now, I know not everybody might not care about all of those. What you're saying to me is, all right, what's the output? The output was 8.5 fantasy points per game. The output was running back 45. So that is scenario number one for me. That is where I started with Damian Pierce. Now, what I want to give you is scenario two, right? Because what I'd like to do is I say, what if? Okay, if things go in this player's direction, if I have missed on this player, if they are going to eat in the way that other folks say they're going to eat, what does that look like? And I think taking that approach is really important, right? It helps avoid take locks. So let's jack up Damian Pierce's volume, right? All right, so I had him at 189 rushing attempts, 45% of the market share. Let's give him 60% of the market share, all right? Let's say Marlon Mack is a total non-factor, which I don't expect. Let's say Dare uh, is a, is a non-factor, which I still don't totally believe, by the way. Let's not even put anybody else in the projection. Don't put anybody else in the projection. Forget Rex Burkhead. He doesn't even exist. Let's give Damian Pierce 60% of the volume. Let's give him 252 carries. That's going to put him over a thousand rushing yards. Let's jack up his touchdowns. Let's go from five. Let's go to seven. All right, let's bump that bad boy up. All right, what are we looking at now? We're looking at 10.7 fantasy points per game, which is a huge jump. I know it doesn't sound huge, but that running back, uh, that that part of the running back uh, tiers, for lack of a better word here, is really close in terms of fantasy points per game. So that's going to bring him all the way up to running back 23, right? So for me, this is the most likely ceiling for Damian Pierce, right? We're saying he's dominating the backfield like most running backs don't. We're getting him up to seven touchdowns. That's a whole heck of a lot for a fourth round rookie draft pick and then right he's ending up as a top 24 running back okay good that's that's kind of in the range I think where folks are starting to value him at but let's take it to the next level let's do a third and final scenario let's keep that jacked up volume 60 percent seven touchdowns we'll keep that touchdown number and let's just bump up Houston's rushing numbers right let's go from 420 team carries to 480 team carries let's up that 60 carries now the reason I have Houston at 420 is because they had 420 carries last year right and I know some folks came in and said Lovey Smith is going to run the ball run the ball run the ball they didn't add the personnel to suggest they're going to run the ball run the ball run the ball and I actually think what they've done is 
tweak their offense to be more Davis Mills friendly, and I think they're going to throw the ball more. But nonetheless, let's say they do run the ball more. They just smash it up the middle. All right, so we add an extra 60 carries, which would, you know, Pierce would get an extra 60% of those, so 288 carries. Now he's pushing 1,100 yards. We still got him at seven touchdowns, and he's coming in at running back 21. All right, so it looks, I mean, I'm putting in the numbers here. Unless I jack up his receiving numbers, which I don't feel comfortable doing. I don't think we've seen anything to say he's going to get 40 to 50 receptions. But maybe he does. That's not what I see right now. So I'm thinking that even in the most generous scenario here, we're looking at Damian Pierce realistically as a back-end running back too, right? So that is putting us at a value of Etienne, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Antonio Gibson, and behind Kenneth Walker, still behind Kenneth Walker, and those five running backs that I've listed off right now, that's working off of their realistic projections, what I actually believe is going to happen, right? So are you willing right now to trade a 2023 first-round pick for the chance in the absolute best-case scenario you are getting Damian Pierce as the running back 21? Maybe you are. That's okay. I don't care what you do with your rookie picks. I just want you to understand the value there. And I need you to understand, too, that this is an offense in flux. Damian Pierce could be the dude for the next five years. They could draft his replacement in the next two years, right? What are they going to do on offense over the next couple of years at the quarterback position? How are they going to redefine or not redefine that offensive line? There's a lot of variables in play here. But right now, for me, Damian Pierce is going to come in anywhere between running back 45 and 21. And I think if you're drafting him at 104, if you're trading your 2023 first-round pick, a stupid, ridiculous, loaded group that it looks like right now, for Damian Pierce, that's just, that's questionable. I just, I couldn't do it. And like I said, I could be wrong. But I wanted to run through these scenarios to help kind of check myself, guide myself to say, okay, if I'm wrong, how wrong am I going to be? And I'm willing to be wrong on Damian Pierce. All right, that's part of the game. Sometimes when you're giving out analysis like this, you have to be willing to be wrong. These are my three projections for Damian Pierce. I think it's going to be closer to running back 45, but folks, it wouldn't shock me if where he lands is somewhere in the middle. Running back 30 to 36, absolutely possible. I recognize I'm lower than the market on Damian Pierce. That's never a comfortable place to be, but it is a place that I want to be right now. College football week one is upon us. We did have week zero. I'm a degenerate. I love my week zero action, but week one is when most teams are on the field. We have a full slate. You can sit down at 12 p.m. noon and hang out till 2, 3 a.m. watching some late night games. It is the best time of the year. Unfortunately, I actually will not be able to just sit in front of the TV, have some obligations this weekend. However, I know most folks are like that. So I have broken down five different games throughout the slate, some early games, some later games, try to give you a little bit of variety and trying to let you know some matchups here that are going to be worth watching for Devi purposes. And we're going to start here. I did find a nooner for you, a 12 o'clock game. It's an East Coast bash here, Boston College versus Rutgers. 
And we're looking on the BC side of the ball here. It's Phil Dracovich and Zay Flowers. Those are the guys we're going to be looking at. Phil Dracovich is somebody that I really like. He's a big-armed quarterback. He is 6'5", and he's a great pocket passer, but he also has mobility. We've seen a few different versions of Dracovich. He looked really good at the beginning of last season and then suffered an injury. He's back. He's healthy. I think Dracovich has a chance to end up as a top 50 NFL draft selection this year in a stronger quarterback class. He's going to be throwing the ball to Zay Flowers, who is a speedy downfield, deep field threat. He has good hands. These two are coming back, I believe, for their third third season together, and they've already shown really good chemistry. Against Rutgers here, who's going to be looking to make an impression off the bat, but doesn't quite have the secondary to be able to match up personnel-wise with Zay Flowers and Phil Dracovich, we could see some big plays. Would not shock me if I'm tweeting out one, if not two, highlight real plays from these two guys. That's 12 p.m. That's on the ACC network. That is Boston College versus Rutgers. A little bit later in the day here, it is Oklahoma versus UTEP, University of Texas, El Paso. And yes, as you guessed, we are primarily focusing here on the Oklahoma side of the ball, and there is a lot of people to look at, but Marvin Mims was one guy I talked about here in the summer scouting series of really needing to have a large production season and needing to continue to put out big film because I don't think he's going to overly kill athletic testing, and I don't think his size is necessarily going to uh, measure up here as the best of the bunch in a loaded wide receiver group, but he is seriously good. His tape is seriously good, and he seriously produces, and that's going to start here when he's catching balls from brand new quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel is really somebody that I would say soak in his college football ability more than trying to project him forward as a Devi prospect. He is somebody who will be rostered in deeper Devi leagues, and he does have some good upside as a pocket passer. He's a little undersized. Still, I like his arm, and at Oklahoma, he has the chance to build some serious draft momentum. So I'm not ruling out Dylan Gabriel by any means, but I just don't want to confuse folks who maybe aren't playing as deep in Devi. Marvin Mims is a projected, I would say, second-round rookie pick right now, where Dylan Gabriel really isn't projected in the top 48, but could play his way there. Somebody who we still have no idea how to properly value at this point is Eric Gray, the running back out of Oklahoma. Now, folks who have been listening along to the Rookie Big Board for a while know that I am far in on Eric Gray. So at this point in time, right, I'm going to have some serious egg on my face if Eric Gray totally busts. He's all over my rosters. A lot of folks listening to this podcast probably have them on their rosters because I suggested that they draft him because we're talking about a three-time Mr. Tennessee all-high school player, right? We're talking about somebody in his first two years with the Volunteers absolutely dominated, and he chose, uh, surprisingly, not surprisingly, around a coaching change to transfer to Oklahoma, started off as running back one last year, and just faded away. No excuse given, no rationale. He just faded away. And now he is back. He is running back one again. Oklahoma has released their depth chart, so Eric Gray is at top of it. Really excited about what he can do. I want him to get back in the running game. He contributed a lot to the passing game at Tennessee. So this is somebody I'm going to be watching very closely. Are we going to be looking back and seeing 2019-2020 Eric Gray? Or are we going to be seeing 2021 Eric Gray? And if we see 2019-2020 Eric Gray, I'm going to be very excited about it. And we're going to see his Devi stock skyrocket into somebody who can be in that round two rookie pick selection in a 
very strong 2023 class. I wonder how many times I could say the 2023 class is strong in one podcast episode. Keep the counter moving, folks. Tavion Thomas, the running back for Utah, will be featured at 7 p.m. on ESPN. The Utes have an outside shot here at making the college football playoff, winning the Pac-12. If they can run the table, Tavion Thomas, their power running back, is going to be a huge piece of that. Don't be surprised if Tavion Thomas goes over 100 rushing yards against this SEC defense and if Utah feeds the ball through him a lot. We also have Cam Rising playing quarterback for the Utes. Not quite as high of a Debbie selection, but just a really fun college player to watch. For Florida, it's going to be Anthony Richardson. Now, you've noticed I'm mostly focusing in on 2023 prospects here, but Anthony Richardson as a potential 2023 prospect as well really has the ability to take the college football world by storm. And if he can do it in week one against a strong Utah defense, then he is going to immediately grab the attention of a lot of people, including NFL front offices. This game, 7 p.m. ESPN. I forgot to mention Oklahoma's on Fox at 3.30. All right, two more late games here. So you can tell 7 o'clock, that's probably going to be the best time. If you can only choose one time to sit down and watch college football this week, 7 o'clock, it's a really good slate. And it is featured, the highlight, the best game of the week is without a doubt the Ohio State Buckeyes taking on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. For Ohio State, we have Jackson Smith and Jigba and C.J. Stroud. Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver, C.J. Stroud, the quarterback, could end up both being top 10 overall selections in the 2023 NFL Draft. Heck, these two could both end up being top five overall selections in the 2023 NFL Draft. Jackson Smith and Jigba fast, separates really well, fantastic hands, beats defenders consistently downfield. C.J. Stroud, great size, great arm, comfortable in the pocket, has some mobility, and we're going to see it right off the bat. Can they do it? Can they show up against Notre Dame? It's going to be a really great tone center. And on the Notre Dame side of things, we're watching Michael Meyer. We are watching Michael Meyer. Tight end one in the 2023 class. Somebody else who could potentially be a top 2023 NFL draft selection. I would say, you know, top, um, we'll say, you know, 20s right now. I, I don't feel comfortable projecting him quite as high as a top 10 selection, but I do think he is looking really solid as a first round selection as a two-way tight end there for the Irish. And then we have a little bit of a sleepier game here, but certainly not one to give up on. You know, flip it on on your iPad on the side or on your third screen. It's Spencer Rattler taking on Georgia State on the SEC network. Here it is. Georgia State is a sneaky group of five team. They've given the SEC teams fits in the past. And Spencer Rattler here is coming back from his transfer in Oklahoma. They're going to want to make a statement right off the bat. And I think Spencer Rattler needs to have a big game. I think he wants to have a big game. I think Shane Beamer wants to feature him in this game. And we also, for folks who are a little bit deeper in the Devy game, right, we're also going to be looking at this running back room. There's a lot of talent there. Christian Beal Smith, Marshawn Lloyd. There's a lot of guys there that are going to get run. So are we going to see one of these running backs stand out more than the others? There's actually a lot to watch here with this South Carolina-Georgia State game, which is not something we may have thought, right, originally when we were looking at this slate. All right. Now, let's finish up here. Three CFF waiver wire standouts.
Alright, finishing up here with a week zero recap here for my college fantasy football fellow degenerates. Also certainly applies to my campus to Canton folks. And even don't don't flip off the podcast, even if you don't play college fantasy football or uh, campus to Canton leagues, these are going to be names you're going to want to know because if they are standing out on the waiver wire, they're probably going to build momentum over the next couple of months here. So let's start with UConn's Nathan Carter, running back, available in 94% of leagues. He ran for 190 yards on 20 carries. UConn looked decent. They looked okay which is really, really good for UConn. Here's the thing, though. They have four quarterbacks technically listed. I believe one is out now with an injury from this game, sustained from this game. Their quarterbacks all want to run the ball. UConn doesn't want to throw the ball. They want to run the ball. They want to run the ball. They want to run the ball some more, right? So when it comes to the Huskies, it's going to be Nathan Carter leading the way. I don't think he's game script dependent because UConn will be out of a lot of games, but I think they're still going to have to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. So I think Nathan Carter here available 94% of leagues is worth a good chunk of your fab. I'm not willing to say how much of my fab that I bid on Nathan Carter because I know my league mates listen to this podcast, but I will say, folks, you better come with the fab because I, I bid on Nathan Carter. Another guy that I'm going to whisper this one because, again, I don't want to play my hand too far. Ricky White. All right. Ricky White, the wide receiver of transfer from Michigan now at UNLV. You know what? I think I can scream it because I don't think it's any kind of secret here. He was available in 92% of leagues coming into week zero. I think he might be available in 2% of leagues after week one. Okay. I put up a lot of fab. Some would argue too much fab for Ricky White in my leagues, but here's the bottom line, all right? He only had uh, 10 receptions at Michigan State, right? But he he had 223 yards and a touchdown. Sorry, he had, he averaged 22.3 yards per reception and 10 receptions. So 200, yeah, whatever that math is. All right. And then one touchdown at Michigan state. So the point is folks, even though I can't do math on the fly, that he is a deep field threat because in his first game at UNLV. So again, Ricky white wide receiver, UNLV, they were beating up on Idaho state. It's an FCS team. Don't even worry about that part. The point is here that he pulled in eight receptions for 182 yards and two touchdowns. It would be one thing to pull in eight receptions. It would be one thing to pull in two touchdowns, but to do eight receptions for 182 yards, Folks, that's 22.8 yards per carry. I just told you with only 10 receptions at Michigan State, he had 22.3 yards per carry or per, per catch, right? So how ridiculous is this that even though we have two small sample sizes, they align pretty well. And what is UNLV going to do? They're going to throw the ball a lot because they're going to be playing in tough matchups in the Mountain West. It's not like UNLV is a team that's going to beat up on their opponents week in and week out. So Ricky White's always going to have that game script. So Ricky White to me is priority number one on the waiver wire. Nathan Carter's priority number three on the waiver wire for me this week. One more player for you, and Devi folks are definitely going to want to listen up to this one. He's priority number two on the CFF waiver wire for me this week, and he's only available in 73% of leagues coming into this week. He is a true freshman. He was on a loaded depth chart here that off of an injury. We weren't sure who was going to be the guy. He wasn't listed atop of the depth chart, but he was the guy that standed out from the depth chart, and I expect to be, you know, essentially the running back one on his team moving forward, and that is Omari and Hampton, the running back for the North Carolina Tar Heels. 14 carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns. That running back room is up for grabs, and Hampton, at least as of week one, has taken that running back room. Folks listening to this podcast are taking that fantasy football championship in their CFF leagues, in their redraft leagues, in their dynasty leagues, their Debbie leagues, their campus to Canton leagues. We do it all, folks. If you are not already 
a patron, patreon.com slash rookie big board. Please check it out. Support the work that we're doing. Get in the discord. If nothing else, folks, a lot of people just in the last month have jumped just into the discord. It's just a dollar, literally a dollar a month gets you into the discord and you could chop it up with us. That in and of itself is probably the best value. $3 gets you uh, season or gets you dynasty rankings, Devi rankings, $6 gets you those seasonal projections. Folks, you can customize it to whatever you want. We make it accessible. We make it a great value. And at the end of the day, you're supporting the production of this podcast. And I personally would really appreciate it. Again, it's patreon.com slash the rookie big board. If you are listening to all of these episodes and have not checked it out, I urge you to, it is a fantastic resource for you. As always, I appreciate you checking out this episode of the rookie big board. Oh,